0: a lot of people have been wondering why george rr martin can't seem to finish winds of winter the answer of course is that he can't stop playing elden ring welcome to triple click where we bring the games to you today we are talking about elden ring a wonderful new game from from software we get into the big big world and talk about all sorts of things let's go I'm Jason Trier. I'm Kirk Hamilton.
1: And I'm Maddie Myers.
0: Today we are putting on our f- Pope turtle hats and diving <laughs> into the land between.
1: <laughs> oh my God, yes! To talk about the Elden turtle. Ring. We're just going to talk about the Pope Turtle for 45 minutes, right? That guy owns. Pope.
0: Definitely the best character in the game. The most He's relatable so character in the game. Is so he the far. Pope who happens to be a turtle, or is he the. Is he a uh, turtle
1: who became a pope? And it's like pope. unusual that the Pope, that it, the pope the is turtles. a turtle, or is it mm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will never a lot know. Of that's the mysteries yeah. of the, of this wonderful, beautiful world. Uh, well,
0: that's why <laughs> this game would be ruined with a quest log because it would say the Pope Turtle, oh my and God. you just see uh, right. the Jason. mystery. Would be revealed.
1: Coming in hot with a quest log (laughs) take. Just coming in. Before
0: we get into this week's episode. Uh, just real quick, just want to say thank you to everyone out there who subscribes to Max MaxFun, who's a MaxFun member and supports this show because we are entirely supported by listeners like you all. The, truth. the show would not be possible without Max Fun members making it happen. So thank you to all of you. And if you are not a Max MaxFun member, you should know that uh, if you become one, you will get monthly bonus episodes of this podcast. Triple click, monthly bonus episodes. That's we do new one every week sorry every month and uh in fact if you subscribe if you've never become a member and you become a member right now you have like an archive of like two years worth of uh almost. triple click bonus episodes yeah. nearly two years worth no yeah it is two years yeah almost two years now April there. no That's May wild. of 20 no April April yeah. of 2020 we started yeah so um, there. two years of archive time. lots of bonus episodes <laughs> Become a member today. Go to maximumfund.org/slash/join, and even if you're not a member, just share this show with your friends, and you will be doing us just as much of a service. So thank
1: you. Yeah,
2: thank you all. It's nice, you know, that we're really setting ourselves apart from other video game podcasts by talking about Elden Ring. <laughs> it is that is Listen, that
1: is well, fine. We, really, we do our
2: here, own thing we like here to at be unique. <laughs> Yeah,
0: we like to do our own. We thing. liked
1: we liked FromSoft before. It was cool. That's not <laughs> oh, true. Sure. I said that, and it was not true. We've, we like FromSoft <laughs> the exact same amount as other games critics of the modern yeah. day.
0: Well, I think two two thirds of us got into FromSoft recently. That is true. Um, that's I true. did because of this podcast because Kirk forced me to play Bloodborne. Yeah, um, and Maddie, you did last year when you started diving into Dark Souls.
1: Yeah, right? it was more just the pandemic and being like, Well, I got a lot of free time and a lot of depression, so why not just try fighting a skeleton over and over again? And that <laughs> is the vibe, you know? That is the vibe, and it's still the vibe. Yeah, and Dark and Souls is
0: the game for that. It is a soothing therapeutic series therapeutic series. But hey, let's let's uh let's introduce this episode, shall we? Today we're doing a triple play of of... Elden Ring, a video oh, yeah. game by From Software, um, the now legendary developer behind the Souls series, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, um, Bloodborne, um, which is kind of the Cthulhu of the Souls games, Cthulhu Souls, <laughs> Goth Souls, if you will, and Sekiro, which is just Ninja Souls, Samurai mm-hmm. Souls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> um, and this, I guess you would describe as Open World Souls?
1: Skyrim Souls, Breath, Breath of the of Wild the Souls, souls. Yeah. Breath of the Souls. I feel like it's got a lot in common with Skyrim as well though there's a lot of uh pressing why to pick up a plant in this game and that is there a is compliment
0: a lot of just yeah vacuuming up materials yeah. that you find as you Love as it. you
1: explore I
2: believe it was on reset era that someone referred to it as death
0: of the wild which I mm, oh that's good that is good that
1: is good all right fine I'll take it um
0: Elden Ring uh, just came out. We've all been playing it. Uh, needs no introduction. And I think if you're listening to the show, you've probably heard a thing or two about Elgin you We've talked about it on the show at <laughs> least. We've heard a thing or two
1: or three from all three of us yeah. for weeks now. But
0: before before we even, before we get into our impressions and start talking about the game in depth, I just want to say that like, we're probably going to be spoiling some things you can discover in this game. So uh, we're not going to kind of hold back. Uh, we'll, we'll refrain from mentioning like big plot points to, to which they yeah. are. And like, and, and like some super late stuff. Yeah, that you and won't some see, super yeah. late stuff. But like,
1: yeah. But I mean, if you don't want to know anything, you could just right, play. This if you game want a right pristine now. experience,
0: yeah. to listen to this episode because we're going to mm-hmm. be talking about like cool things that we saw and whatnot. All right with that intro out of the way it is time to get in we're gonna start as usual with first impressions um so i want each of us to say how much time we've spent in the game so far and our kind of overall thoughts try to keep them short and then we'll get into meteor stuff um kirk why don't you start us off (laughs) i like the idea these are my first impressions after 91 hours
1: <laughs> oh my
2: God! <laughs> Just given some early yeah, is, impressions what are of the game. Early uh-huh. takes, and on it's this. funny because I'm kidding, but I'm also serious because it does kind of feel like there's so much more. <laughs> is that why you've Just really now played? Is that why you've actually played something miles? like that? Yeah, oh my some, somewhere in that area. It's kind of hard to tell. My Steam clock is all messed up. I think my in-game yeah, mine clock mine says eighty something. Maybe yeah. I'm really far. Um, I'm now in the sort of final act. I guess you could kind of say, even though this game goes on and on and on and on forever. But I've sort of cleared the capital, let's say, and then passed that, which I think is will give people who've played a lot of Elden Ring a sense of where I am. I love this game. I mean, it's incredible. It's super engrossing. It's a little overwhelming eventually. Like, I'm just sort of feeling like, my God, I could just keep going forever. And I'm at that point now where I just sort of blast through things because I'm a little overleveled for some of the stuff I'm doing. Like, From Games always have this issue where there's this period, this like sweet spot where you're in the pocket, maybe Mm -hmm. like 10 hours into the game when everything is kind of appropriate for you. You're a little over level for the place where you started out, but then pretty much everything else is fine. And then it kind of tips the other way. And I'm definitely in that realm now. So my experience now is just learning all these little weird secrets about the game like things like fire spells do less damage when it's raining and like just exploring these fun little (laughs) things about the way they've designed the world but anyways my my impressions of this game and just my opinion of this game is that it is absolutely fantastic maddie
1: so, I am just a measly 35 hours in, really <laughs> barely nothing. played just it. Starting to you to guys. it. <laughs> also just starting out. Also, just barely on the, the loading screen. No, for real. That is actually quite a bit for me. Um, so, I also adore this game and I would like to play it for the rest of my life please and <laughs> it is everything I wanted and more but I I would say I'm probably in the sweet spot that Kirk described mm-hmm. still I my levels also in the 30s somewhere maybe like 31 32 and that is a pretty fun place to be in this game I just got to there's an elevator once you find two halves of a key you get to a, a really big elevator yeah. if people are who are further along in the game know what I'm talking about I just wrote it up and then I was like oh this is like a whole other part of the game I'm gonna go back because I want to discover every single little thing uh, in the previous part of the game because I'm I don't know I'm really enjoying just stumbling across things in this game and finding things organically not even using a walkthrough just relying on the player messages which we can talk about something about uh, from soft games that I really enjoy is the player messages and just digging it digging it Using an axe, as people know very well, but recently got a bow, getting into my long range, trying to become a long range person, and yeah, I'm loving it. Um, Jason, how about you? How, how much have you it's played? A good,
0: it's a good game for smashing things in the face, but it can <laughs> it can get a little. I, I'm also playing like a strength and dexterity build, and it can get a little frustrating because you find so many cool spells, and you're like, man, I should yeah. use magic.
1: It, I kind of yeah, I'm kind of struggling with that. I, I I briefly was like, should I just switch and be a mage? But uh-huh. it, that has can, its own frustrations respect. too, because then it's like you can't. You you usually the mages that I that I know also have like some type of melee weapon in their arsenal as well for the moments when they have no other choice Mm -hmm. so you know there's no perfect build but no imperfect build
0: um so i have played also 80 plus hours kirk i'm a little bit further than you and i've done a couple more things that you haven't quite gotten to yet because it's kind of like because this game is so open and non-linear there's isn't really a linear path to no yeah yeah. i've been doing
2: a lot of like you maddie just sort of stopping
0: and going back and doubling Mm -hmm. over and
2: re-exploring
0: Right, because, like, uh, in addition to the kind of, quote-unquote, main quest, whatever that means of, like, going around and Mm -hmm. and finding these massive um great ruin bearing bosses there are also these like intricate convoluted sub quests that you can do um that take you to whole new areas like underground stuff and like Mm -hmm. other kind of secret hidden teleporting stuff um and uh uh uh, yeah if you talk to people on the round table hold you'll start getting hints of other quests and there's all just all sorts of shit in this game um (laughs) Yeah. So 80 plus hours in, I'm starting to feel burnt out. And I think that's because I played 80 hours of the same game over the course of like like, what two and a half weeks, three weeks weeks. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so part of me is like, oh my God, I can't believe how much is left. Yeah. And then another part of me is like, man, I don't want this game to ever be over, but I kind of do want this game to be over. So I don't know. I'm (laughs) kind of grappling with that. That said, I stand by what I said last week and the week before, which is that this is one of the best games I've ever played in my life like it is tremendous it is such an achievement the combination of like the the bliss of exploration and the the sense of mystery that it creates and how evocative that is combined with like the soul's uh uh, challenges and design aptitude and that feeling of like, okay, I'll just, I'll just try that one boss one more time. Okay. Almost <laughs> beat him one more time, one more time. Um, and that combined with like the fact that it isn't really that difficult. Like uh, if you get stuck on a boss, you can just go do so many other things that I just mm-hmm. think, I think thinking I'm of listening. this as a... I think thinking of this as a difficult game isn't even accurate. It's more just a game where you can't think of death as an obstacle. But we'll get into that. Um, but overall, overall, love it. On the difficulty thing, I will say this is mostly just from speaking with our friend
2: Mike Rougeau, who is at the very end of
0: the game. Right. Yes. I, yes, do, yes, yes. I
2: do think it's worth mentioning that the final stuff, and I don't even know if this is fully necessary, like required stuff, but the final stuff in this game is apparently unbelievably ridiculously difficult, like to the point where he's at least not happy about it. And I see a lot of people being sort of very frustrated with the very, 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 very last bosses. But that is only the stuff at the end. But I do gather Mm -hmm. that it becomes quite difficult.
0: So, okay, so... A little bit about the structure of the game. I think that, like, um, when you start off, you're talking to Gideon, who's the knight at the round table hold, and he gives you, like, explanations of all of these great rune bearers and where they are. Lord Daddy is what we call him. He's our Lord Daddy.
2: <laughs>
1: Lord Daddy, yes. Yeah. Um,
0: Go see Lord Daddy and. Get a refresher on Although the Although he's kind of he's kind of a bad person, uh, it turns out. Well, we'll he get is, it. yeah.
1: shocking for a character <laughs> a, bad person in a, in a From this world <laughs> game to turn out to be morally gray and perhaps even ethically corrupt in some way <laughs> that is revealed over time. I've never so seen he, that. So he he
0: tells you about um these five rune bearers or six six rune bearers. Um, and uh, shard it's bearers kind of, actually, which mm-hmm, I think is pieces hilarious. of they, the Elden Ring. They have runes, but they are shard bearers.
1: Shards of the Elden Ring. Shards
0: of the Elden Ring, and yes. it's like okay, Limgrave, Lyurnia, Kalid, etc. And the implication is like okay, you beat all these f- five dudes, and then you go to the capital and you take on the big boss, and that's the end of the game. But then it turns out there's a whole lot more after the capital, <laughs> and that kind of like has put me in an interesting position. That combined with hearing from Mike that the end end is like super tough and impenetrable has, has is part of what's contributed to my mm-hmm. burnout. And I'm very curious to see like what happens to people as they reach the end of this game. I, I don't think I think this is the type of game that a lot of people are just never going to finish. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping that I will finish it, but I don't know. That said, I think most of our listeners right now are still in the blissful early to mid game stages, which for me yeah, was just like they're still
1: only having played 60 to not 80 hours. <laughs> right. and so they're then they're in the blissful early stages. Yeah, yeah,
0: still so in that That sweet spot of 1 to 80 hours. Um, Yeah, God.
1: Yeah, but then after that, the game really starts to suck. So, like, is it even worth buying? You know what Uh I mean? Like, Uh it's barely Uh worth the cost of admission. No, for real. It (laughs) owns. Like, honestly, I feel like if you don't beat it... I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot with the bosses because... So, we've kind of glossed over it by just saying you can explore anything, but you really can. Like I I took a really long break before I beat Godric because I he's the second boss, but he doesn't have to be at all because right. you can just keep r- yeah, running Yeah, he was like around. my seventh
0: boss or something.
1: Yeah, I've went and I found a bunch well, of second other
0: second major
2: boss he's supposed to be. Second like story boss if you want to think of it. But that way. but
1: again, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be because you can go north in right, and learnia sure, and find several other Renala bosses. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. can fight the wolf Character and then the I don't know what her name is, but she's basically like evil Hermione Granger. You can yeah, go find her, Renala. yeah, and, and you can fight all these other she, bosses. She's like
0: evil McGonagall, Professor. Like McGonagall. the fact that mm-hmm, oh yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough.
1: The, the fact that there are all these other you can basically fight the bosses in any order, Mega Man style, but also. You can just keep exploring lesser dungeons at any time. And there are, are sort of mini bosses all over the map of varying degrees of difficulty. Like there's, I don't know if you guys checked out the Siafra River well at all, where there's oh, the yes. ancestor <laughs> boss. Like that's a boss that's pretty It's a cool hard. boss fight, actually. There's just kind of bosses you can stumble and fall into and what would how would we even describe something like that and so then that meant that when I finally circled back around and and did beat Godric I was a lot more capable but that wasn't necessarily intentional I was just exploring the world and that's part of why it's it's hard to talk about the game in a in a linear sense because everybody's playing it this way and like some people are meeting Godric really early on some people are meeting him way later don't even know what the first or second boss is and that's really neat. It's it's just a neat way for a game to be designed to have anything in any order.
2: Yeah, it's it's truly open. I think that that's a really cool thing about it is it is just a nonlinear game. Like we're thinking of it because like there are these story inflection points and I guess those are the Shardbearer fights. You can kind <laughs> of like, you know, when you look at the map or when you look out from a vantage point on this game and you see a bunch of fog with some towers coming up out of it. That's Uh kind of the game, right, is you'll see people talking and they'll be talking about the towers. They'll be like, oh, I'm fighting Radon. And you're like, oh, I know that fight. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and that's kind of this this whole thing. But it's mostly just this huge expanse that you can just move through in any direction. It's a genuinely nonlinear experience. It has like kind of contours. There's level there's clearly level suggestions for different areas, but it's so open ended. Um, And, yeah, that is a really nice thing about it.
0: So mm-hmm. I think, here's my theory, I think that almost hurts the game. It hurt, it's, it's so good that it hurts itself by being so good. And let me explain what I mean.
1: <laughs> okay. It's actually so too good. An incendiary take. <laughs> Stop <laughs> okay. praying so, for Elden Ring. It's so powerful. as
0: you're playing, because the designers have made the exploration feel so good and so satisfying, and there's so many interesting things around every corner, and in every catacomb, and, and in every little village, and you just want to go to a new area and then just see every little thing you can, um you wind up a, getting super overpowered and B, um, just because you're killing so much stuff and getting so many items and B, um, you wind up just spending a lot, a lot of time to the point where you could spend 60 hours in this game and only have seen Limgrave and Leornia and not realize that you're like 30% of the way <laughs> through the entire game. And so I think that is, that is kind of hurting it because you get to the point where I'm at and where Kirk's at and where our buddy Mike is at where maybe you're towards the end of the game and you're just like, man, I am feeling a little bit of burnout here. I'm feeling like, oh, wow, there is so much left to go. And I spent all this time exploring and poking away at stuff. Um, It almost feels like this game is just not meant for anyone to 100% it the first time around and that like to enjoy it more, you almost have to like resist the urge or you just never finish it. I'm sure you can enjoy it quite quite as much by exploring all of like the first couple areas, then take a four month break and then maybe come back to it.
1: That's kind of what I'm going to do. Yeah,
0: I think it's a common thing like with Dark
2: Souls, yeah. like people who just constantly play the first 70% of Dark Souls and then because mm-hmm. that game, I've never finished it, but it famously has a kind of lousy final act and no one really knows yeah. that game is. And I've yeah. been
1: in the middle of Dark Souls for, yeah. I don't know, a 100 hours and it For owns. six or
2: seven, one more things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, well, that's what's so wonderful about it. And Dark Souls yeah. is almost an open world game. Like that's part of why I'm loving Elden yeah, Ring yeah. so much, because not only is it absolutely beautiful, like it's a... It's a next generation game. It, it has it has really great graphics uh, if you've got a good enough graphics card. But I, Dark Souls. What I almost miss about it sometimes is just the the sense that you can you can almost go anywhere, but certain things are gated off by story moments, and there's a sense of mystery. Elden Ring is just. You can really go anywhere. Nothing is closed Mm -hmm. off to you at any point.
0: Yeah, well, that's not. It's not entirely true. I mean, first of all, if you wind up like if you wind up in Kalid early, you're just gonna die. And many Mm -hmm. people have had that experience of getting teleported (laughs) by the test to Kalid, and (laughs) then that incredible joke
2: that the game plays on you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but and that also rules, like there though. are there yes. are locked <laughs> off points you can't get into the capital until you've gotten two great runes you can't get up that right. lift until you until get you the, medallions the key or, the lift. or there's a um, way around there's a side to be. way yeah but it's mm-hmm. tough if you're under level so you yeah, can't really I mean this isn't like Breath of the Wild Breath of the Wild is a lot closer to that kind of or example of like the non-linear experience right right
1: you can go to Ganon right off the cuff yeah, yeah
0: and Breath of the Wild you can literally do anything at any time you can complete the four dungeons in any order in this you can't you're not gonna go fight Radon before you've done Godric because it's just not like practical. Um, That said um, I think that yes 100% like the non-linearity is so fascinating in this game and like the fact that you can just go in any direction and find something cool is one of the reasons this is such a masterpiece.
1: Yeah but I don't think it's a downside Jason is what I'm saying and I think that the way I've been playing Dark Souls which is to say when I don't have a game I need to play for work I dip back into Dark Souls and play that for a couple weeks and force you two to hear me talk about it. I think that is how this game Elden Ring is absolutely meant to be played and mm-hmm. that I do feel like I've been experiencing a bit of the too much of a good thing like you're eating <laughs> an extra <laughs> slice of, a, too much of cake. cake over and over again because you're like oh it's so good though Yeah, but like <laughs> unlike a cake this game isn't going to go bad after a week and you don't need to hurry up and eat it like we probably could have savored it a bit more and been completely fine it's just that it's so good right. that it's, it's really hard good. to get yourself to do that because there's always something exciting around every corner, and you just want to keep playing it over and over and sinking into it, even though some piece of you feels burned out by it.
2: Yeah, I think that it's paced really interestingly. I think that we haven't really encountered a game with this kind of pacing in such a long time that it's hard to even really understand the way that it's paced, (laughs) because it's it's well-paced, and it's also paced out over. I mean, this is a game that I thought was going to be a 90 to 100 hour game that's really like a 120 to 130 hour game. I just can't think of the last time I played a game that big and it's hard to even conceptualize the pacing of it. It does these gear shifts between being a sort of old, like older style Souls-like game, the Legacy Dungeons, mm-hmm. but then also just later in the game, once you've kind of gone through the four major open areas, like the, the main four that you're exploring, mm-hmm. it starts to become more like, More of the levels that I was doing, I was just finding I would play a whole night and everything I was doing would be in a Souls-style legacy dungeon where I'm, like, unlocking shortcuts and moving forward. It's not in the open world. I'm not on my horse, basically. Like, I can't access my horse at all. I played for three hours tonight and I didn't even get on my horse because all I'm doing is going through these various dungeons. And then I, I start to kind of miss the open world and I just find that the game is, like, making these huge swings between being two totally different kinds of games and I can't even... I mean, even now, after all these hours get my head around that, I described it as like, it's like they made Dark Souls 4 and mixed it with an open world game that they were also making. And then that's like this whole game. And then they also made Dark Souls 5. And then that just comes at the end of, of Dark Souls 4 and the open world game. So now uh-huh. I'm in this part where I'm like, oh, I'm playing yet another Dark Souls sized game that's more of just a Dark Souls game. That's just like a totally different scale of pacing for me compared to almost anything I've ever played.
0: So, okay. So another important part of this, and I think one of the reasons that all of us feel so compelled to keep playing is because the social aspect of it is so yeah. important. And that comes in into three forms, really. What is the multiplayer, which is fun, super fun, it super is. janky and buggy, <laughs> um, but yeah. fun. And you can't, it's so limited because you can't even, you can co-op only for Only really for bosses is how it's designed. And like you can't even summon someone to an area if you've already beaten the boss there. It's very janky um the other part of the the number two of three is the notes which i think are such a key pivotal part of this experience as they are with all souls games where like you're going around and you're seeing these player driven notes that are guiding you or tricking you and it's just so much fun to like see this and have this communal shared experience with other players from anywhere um and try to decipher what they're saying and like sometimes what they say will save you from like a trap or a death because it'll be mm-hmm. like watch left and suddenly there's a dude your left. Or like, um, watch out for a hole. And suddenly you look down and there's a giant hole in front of you. So that's super cool. But the third thing, and I think what is really coolest about this experience is the experience of playing communally with friends who you're talking about it with and so at the beginning at the very beginning um, I was talking to a lot of other reviewers and people who had early copies of the game Um, then we started a big discord chat and we've also been talking on discord with like um, we, we have the triple click discord where I'm seeing a lot of people talking about it and that's been fun to watch and people are using Twitter to share memes and talk about all sorts of things and I think that's such an important part of the game too and that's one of the reasons that we all feel compelled to just keep playing is because it is just so much fun to find something cool and then be like, holy shit, guys, did you see this cool thing I just found? Like, have you found this yet? No, where should I go? And there's something really, it's it's fun to play a game like this and use walkthroughs. Like there's definitely pros to that approach, but it's even more fun to play with your friends and for you all to be organically discovering things and then telling each other where Mm -hmm. to find those things, Mm -hmm. which is just such a cool experience. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's so great. And telling each other stories about how you defeated each weird thing you came across, because usually it'll be completely different. Like a lot of my friends are playing with mage builds and like wildly different builds than I have. And so when they share Twitch clips or whatever, it's so different from how I beat whatever boss they're fighting against. And that's fascinating to me. And it also then makes me kind of jealous. And I'm like, wow, they're like playing a completely other game. I guess I have to play Elden Ring again. Like, oh, man, life is so hard for me. <laughs> but then also it's like, they can have the experience that Jason described of like, oh, I had this really fun time with this enemy or in this area, but hated this one. And then I'll be like, that was like my favorite area because my playstyle meant that I thought that was super fun. And then the part that you thought was super fun, I found extremely challenging because I was like playing it in a completely different way. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's it's wild. That and shortcuts, like I accidentally discovered a shortcut in um stormvale castle and like skipped a bunch of it and like just didn't even realize how huge it is and how much I missed until I circled back after beating Godric and was like, holy shit, there's, like, so many other items here. Like, just that sense. Did you find the
0: basement? Yeah,
1: I mean, like, there's, all there's like, so many levels (laughs) in there. Like, Stormvale is fun as hell. Like, it's it's a great great castle. And some of that was, like, me discovering things on my own, and some of it was, like, seeing other people's clips or, like, friends of mine talking about it, being like, wait a minute, that's in Stormvale? Like, I gotta Uh get back over there and see where the heck you were.
2: Yeah, I want to th- I totally agree that the um that just the the way that we communicate about this game with our friends is cool. I've actually been really enjoying the Elden Ring subreddit as well just because mm. it's all memes yeah. there. But the thing about the memes of this game, for me anyways, it's like they all rely on that sort of that type of meme. Maybe this is like the most common type of meme, which is articulating a feeling or an experience that you thought you had that was unique to you but in a way that it's like oh everybody had the same thing this game because of the way it works and the way that it's designed that they've so carefully created all these little experiences they know what's going to happen to you how you're going to feel that you're going to see the thing and walk over to it and then the enemy's going to drop on your head or whatever Uh that you're going to find this one enemy difficult in this certain way so everyone has the same experience but it feels unique so then when you see the meme about it on reddit it just it Cracks me up over and over and over again. Um, I almost never read video game subreddits, but I enjoy that one. I do. (laughs) Can we talk about messages a little, though? So I want to... (laughs) Yes.
1: How poetic and weird they are. Like, half the fun of messages is trying to figure out what they mean. Because you have to use these specific words and terminology in order to write a message. Like, you can't write whatever you want. You can only write certain key phrases, which then means that certain key phrases have come to mean... Things um, among the player community that are ridiculous. Like, the phrase, you don't have the right, just means you can't go here yet. This door will not you. maybe be open able to, to go yet. here later, but well, you can't go here right now. The actual now. phrase
2: is, you don't have the right, oh, you don't have the oh, right, you don't have the right, oh, you don't have
0: the right.
1: Yes, that's um,
2: correct. <laughs> so I like the way that this game, speaking of memes, the messages in this game, like, allow for this game to have its own memetic language. There's mm-hmm. a lot of the, like, corny, like, Overplayed stuff, you know.
1: Try finger butthole. Try finger butthole. Which has been in the game for thousands and thousands of messages. Yes,
2: yes. And then (laughs) someone saying secret passage ahead, and then someone saying liar ahead, which is just literally everywhere to the point where I'll just find liar ahead and and it'll be, there won't be a (laughs) secret message notification (laughs) because that one went away because you only get 10. You don't have the right as a big one. And then there's just cool little shorthands that develop, you know, like home will mean that there's grace ahead. It's actually really nice in some places where people. People tell you, oh, there's a sight of grace, but go down, don't go forward or you're going to fight a boss. But the ones that are really amazing to me have been the ones where they really have helped me solve a puzzle. There's one dungeon called, uh, what's it called? The Gelmir Heroes Grave, which I won't spoil the particulars of it for people who haven't seen it because it's a unique and very cool um, challenge. But there's this final phase of this sort of death trap puzzle you're making your way through that i was like i do not understand what i'm supposed to do here and then i found notes that actually indicated and walked me through they were like you know here is a good one here exclamation point and it showed Mm -hmm. me a little secret path and then i was like oh and then i got up and there was another note being like this is what you do and i figured out this actually very complicated solution to this puzzle or in another really cool unique dungeon you're kind of shifting between different spaces and i guess people who've done it will know what i mean And at first you don't realize that you're shifting between different spaces, but someone left a note and it's like, there's a lever in one of the spaces and there's no lever in the same place in the other one. And I was in the one where there's no lever and there was just a note that said lever (laughs) Um, exclamation point. And I, and I was like, Oh, this is where the lever is supposed to be, but it's not here. That means I'm like not in the same place. And it solved the whole thing for me that someone left that note. I think that kind of stuff is amazing. Like the way that they've, just, I mean, the system has been in From games forever, but the way that people come up to use it, it just transforms the game. It's so so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for a best. game like
0: uh, this with so much platforming. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, like previous, I'm like previous games. Here it'll be like down. Yeah, and that is always essential mm-hmm. um, because there will or be... or just the
2: existence of a message will tell you
0: someone tell can you go there, can like go it's there. possible yeah. to be there. Yeah, yeah. although yeah. sometimes there'll be there'll be false leads or it'll be like only message here or something like that. Oh yeah, know, or like God they God did it. some crazy glitch or yeah. it'll
1: say try jumping in a place where you should absolutely never jump, yes. which is <laughs> just classic to mess with from Softbit. Yeah. But there uh-huh. are try jumping in places where it is the correct place to jump. I mean, this is you know you got to use your eyes, but you it, it is part of what makes it. Makes it cool, but it's also it's wild to play a FromSoft game where there's a jump mechanic. First of all, and it's also yeah. wild to play one where there's a horse and with it's, a double and jump fast travel. Like I know yeah. we've talked about this That's before, but it it's it's a great horse. It's a great little pony. Love Torrent, Torrent even though Torrent's best. name is probably only there so that no one ever pirates this game. That's fine. I respect <laughs> it. I respect the the choice. <laughs> uh, but I it's wild. It really really changes the game and makes it completely different from Dark Souls 1. In a good so if
0: way. you Google Elden Ring torrent, you really right. just will not be able to mm-hmm. never find never find anything it. but adorable <laughs> pictures
1: <laughs> of your adorable uh, horse. Of course.
2: fan art of, yeah. a, of a wonderful yeah. horse. A
1: horse yeah. with like
0: goat horse. It's kind of a goat horse. Yeah.
1: It's a little yeah. bit more it than just kind a of horse. Goat horse. So what but, do you guys yeah. think
0: of the combat in this game? I think that's yeah. obviously a pivotal part of what makes Elden Ring Elden Ring. Um, and there's a lot to it. There are a lot of different types of weapons. There's a lot of different types of magic. There are a lot Lot of different types of ash summons that you can use on bosses there's a lot of cheesing that you could do and um, people yeah. have already found some super creative ways to cheese enemies i'm curious to hear what both of you have thought so far of yeah. the combat in the game
1: are we all playing melee are we all playing strength decks doves? so
0: no i'm I actually am. playing strength
2: faith so i do have got some spells it. as well I'm playing, uh, yeah kind of mix cool. of strength i got my claymore and i got my incantation that's the way to go i think so
1: it's the way to are go. you are you doing like two-handed weapons like some of those magical knives and, and stuff like that i've seen some cool clips of those
2: I'm a Claymore for Life kind of um Souls player, which is a total type. Um it's either um Zweihander or Claymore. There's a whole we have a whole complicated back and forth in our sub community <laughs> of two handed sword users. But
0: I love the Claymore. Your sub-community? Do you have a Discord for it? Um, it's uh, like so you. So you're just using the thing that says claymore. You're not using like one of the greats. One of the other greats. No, I
2: just I just use a claymore with like a. I, I think it's that bloody slash weapon art. Heavy claymore to get maximum mm-hmm. strength. Because there are some special great swords that are like pretty. Yeah, great badass. swords are so colossal. I don't love them, and they're very heavy. Which I like and being slow, able to carry completely. like a great shield and heavier armor. So wow. I like the claymore. It works for me. But there are so many cool weapons. I mean, one thing we were talking about with builds. I think once the build science really gets down. There's going to be some super cool hybrid builds in this game because there are some swords that are, like, really cool, like, int, dex, strength scaling swords. There's the one sword. What's it like? The sword of of fire and ice. It's not fire and ice, but it's (laughs) it's not a song of ice and fire, but it's, like...
1: It could be. It's like
2: night and fire. And night, night and, and flame. flame, I think. Night um that sword seems incredible if you if you level to it. But yeah, so anyways, we're talking about combat though, not, not weapons. Um I like it a lot. I think this is, it's basically Dark Souls 3 with some extra stuff, right? Like this is the closest to Dark Souls 3 rather than Bloodborne or Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Like it's got casting, it's got faith, it's got different like decks and strength, it's got the back step but no quick step. Like the combat is basically, you know, a lot of blocking you can play really reactively with a shield.
1: I love that. I think it's
2: really good. I mean, the the block counter or whatever it's called, where you block with a mm-hmm. shield, that's and then you get this yeah, attack. That's a Yeah, that's a Wonderful one. addition to the game. Um, and then, cool. of course, Ash summons are really cool, too. The way that it just sort of encourages you to do more summoning, it just makes fights a lot more fun and feel a little bit more like punishing one-on-one fights. Though I will say, I've seen a lot of people talking about the Crucible Knight fight, and um, that's just an, an Ever-Jail fight that you can do, I think, in Limgrave. And it's just this guy with a shield. Well, there are a few. There are a lot of crucible. But the Nights. but the oh, are there? Well, that first crucible Knight is the one that everyone talks about. And I, I was sitting there in Discord chat with our friends fighting him. Just and I was like this motherfucker. Like I just kept going because he kept uh-huh. he's so relentless and he just kept rocking me. And it was the first time and he has his wings and stuff when you heal, he just punishes you. Like, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing. He knows. That fight where there's no summons, there's no Ash summons, I just had to do it. I was having that sort of traditional, just I'm doing a hard fight in a from game experience. And it just made me appreciate how good the combat system is, how fun it is. I've seen a lot of people talk about Crucible Knight as just being a fun challenge. I watched this video of a guy who's like level one with the club and no armor beating him without being hit. And it's <laughs> yep. just, of it's course. like the fundamentals of combat are great. And it's it's a really fun combat
0: game. By the way, when yeah. Crooks, as Ever Jail. Most of us out there are going to read that as Ever gaol or Ever Goal. I'm being sure to pronounce it correctly. That's
1: how I pronounce it. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was Ever gal, but Ever Jail nope. makes it sound like it's spelled Ever Jail, like J-A-I-L. Right. It's not. Mm-hmm.
2: It is not spelled that way, but it is pronounced that way. I was pronouncing it wrong in my head, too, but I'm trying to get it right.
1: Well, good to know. Good to know. Um,
0: yeah, what I think is really cool about this combat is just how many different ways it, it allows for. And so I have been running around with my bloodhound fang which is like a, a, a wicked weapon pretty early is one of the best weapons i discovered it early on and just have never stopped using it because it's so good and does so much damage. yeah if i was playing decks i would be using that um, thing yeah and i just rip apart bosses um to the point where like like i beat the capital some of the bosses in the capital <laughs> in just like two tries it was it was
2: <laughs> i beat most of those bosses I'm overleveled anyways. Yeah, well, that's the thing.
0: I think I think you're not meant to play like get, be there as strong as as the two of us had. to, be? I don't know, I guess. Um, I don't know, who knows. Yeah, but, it's hard but, to but, say. but that's what I, that's the point I was making really. It's earlier. hard
1: to resist exploring every inch of the map and then thereby um, getting tons more levels. I mean, I think yeah. I'll be overleveled by the time I get to the capital cube. Exactly. That's part exactly. of why I turned back when I got off the elevator. <laughs> I was like, um, I I want to go make sure I unlock every last thing before there's I. There's a lot
0: more to see up there besides the capital but anyway so oh, yeah. um, my point was that the way I play is with this thing I roll around sometimes I use a shield sometimes I just use the weapon art instead and I'm just like kind of doing a lot of dodging swiping dodging back swiping that sort of style but then i've watched all these videos and seen friends playing and they're just like sitting in the back casting the summon to attract (laughs) the boss's attention and like casting a bunch of magic at the boss and like ripping bosses apart with magic yeah and,
1: and like running around and rolling around to dodge but still just doing long range entirely yeah it's completely different Style. It's
0: it's very cool to see, and um, I'm sure this is also the case with other Souls games. Um, even though I tend to play with the dodge attack method with all of them, but um, but yeah, but there's just there's just so much variety in the combat. and It just feels so good to play and to attack enemies and um, so much about it and I think one of the big appeals of it and I just I just started playing another action game that's um, that I've got an early code for that I'll talk about more next week because it's under embargo but, um, but there's just in that game there's just a lot more information on the screen that's happening like when an ability is cast you'll see the name of that ability pop up and you'll just see a lot more like things going on and I think one of the reasons Elden Ring this combat feels so graceful and elegant is because of that simplicity of like what you can actually Mm -hmm. see you are just watching the boss and watching their pattern and that is it there's no like messages on screen to tell you what they're doing there are no like buttons you have to smash at certain times other than just like what you know and i think that is one of the reasons it's so good
1: yeah i agree i am mostly playing with well i got i got a 100 percent damage negation shield very early on i can't imagine playing this game without one i had a friend who was like i only recently got one and it's really changing things for me i'm like what are you doing like <laughs> you gotta have a shield that negates damage can i ask
2: is it a medium shield or a great shield
1: oh gosh i ask me later i would need to boot up the game
2: Maddie already <laughs> said it was it was a great shield well yeah a great... <laughs> <laughs> that was merely an
1: adjective I a thing
2: that I just learned that I'll, I just will say really quick is that I switched to Great Shields because I've been watching some Iron Pineapple videos. He's like this super souls mm-hmm. expert on YouTube. Post totally. these videos are like 30 things you didn't know and they're all amazing. You can wash yourself off with soap. Um, and he, posts, he was <laughs> yeah, talking about Great Shields. Just
1: like in real life, you can wash yourself off with soap <laughs> well, in this game. You can't usually
2: do that in video games or at least it doesn't matter. I know, but, I'm
1: just saying it's it, like to the listener who doesn't know what Kirk is talking about, he wasn't just making a joke about it. No, it's a real thing. If you
2: roll through life. like poison you get it on your outfit and it keeps infecting you and you have to wash off, which is all this stuff like that. Anyways, I've been watching his videos and he was talking some about great shields and I didn't realize this, but a great shield with 100% physical deflection causes Mm -hmm. way more enemy attacks to bounce off and stagger the enemies, which gives you an opening for your counter. Anyways, great shields rule. I just started using them. Um, You can also use the barricade shield art, which gives you kind of the same thing. Anyways, go ahead, Maddie.
1: Yeah, I'm just, I'm very into the shield. Not to say I don't enjoy rolling from time to time, but I'm, I'm very much a shield person and I'm also like a run around the boss person like using just run and, and the, the back dash in order to get out of the way. Which very, is a great really strategy. Very, very fun and very cool. And as everyone knows, I have an axe. I'm not so much two-handing this time because I really like the shield mechanics in this game. Yeah. So I'm mostly just axing it. I, the only reason I've started using a bow at this point it's just because there are some enemies. Like there's that cave with all the ants in it. Those guys really benefit from having a bow. Oh, yeah, oh
2: for sure. God, just
1: way so
0: easier with There's a some bug. bows that scale with strength <laughs> too. The, the ants like skeeve me those the hell out. Ants. There's some. There's some big <laughs> man. The game. The monsters in this bugs. game. So From software is incredible at coming up with monsters, and some of them are like these truly horrifying abominations. But mm-hmm. nothing creeps me out more than big versions of real things, like <laughs> the big ants, the big crabs, the big, the big lobster. Spiders. Did you find yeah, that big, big lobster? lobster? Oh yeah, there that are a guy, lot of
2: lobsters. You know what? There's Actually, there aren't big spiders. spiders in this game, and I think that that's kind no. of interesting. That's I, true. Yeah, I, I seen might be speaking yet. too soon, but I've seen like, a lot <laughs> yeah, of games.
1: Come on, a spider
2: is gonna show. But up But they've had they've had spiders in so many of their they've, games.
0: They've but. been in another games. Yeah, maybe they're like, you know what? We're sick of spiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like arachnophobia is a thing. Yeah, like... no more
1: spiders. Not even a spider with a sexy lady on top of it. No more spiders at all. There's nothing. What if the
0: final bad. boss is just a giant spider? <laughs> they're like, we saved it all for now. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: why people are so mad. <laughs> yeah, that's why
0: people are pissed. Um, So I wanted to talk... So Kirk, one of the things you just um you just said, I think, is an interesting thing, which is um the point about the soap and how that isn't really explained in the game. And I think yeah. if you click the soap... I Item description. It'll just yeah. be like used for washing off clothes yeah, like, and stuff it's, like that. It's It's, like, hey, it's gamer, take a just a very like it's just such a From Software thing, and it's interesting. Yeah. This game. So From Software is known for making these games where the descriptions are all esoteric, and you're just like, what the hell's going on? You have to go look it up. Um, like the most infamous <laughs> or example, just try I it. think is the most infamous example of an esoteric thing in Bloodborne and in one from game is in Bloodborne I think when you fall to the basement and there's this giant like head with eyes on it that you found and if you do a certain gesture to it you will get an item and it's just like nobody could have possibly <laughs> thought about do that? except that yeah. someone did anyway <laughs> So I actually think Elden Ring is a lot better about explaining stuff to you in that if you go to your quest log, first of all, you have all these tutorials open for you. Um, But also if you go into your inventory and you look at, not quest log, if you go into your inventory and you go to key items and you look at like... Oh, this letter, it'll say, to be delivered to such and such. In fact, I didn't even realize this, because I just looked it up, but there's there's this elaborate quest called Ronnie's Quest that everyone should do if they haven't already, if they're at that point in the game. But at a certain point, you get this key. And I was like, all right, I was like, fuck it, I just looked it up because I didn't know where the key went. But if you actually just look at the item description, it'll be like, seems to belong to a key and such and such. And it'll just Mm -hmm. tell you where to go. And that happens a lot. But then there are the more opaque things, like the cell and like um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure this is a game just like Breath of the Wild where years from now people will be posting there will be Kotaka articles 20 more things you didn't know about Elden Ring still be discovering things and I think that is so cool and I think it's so cool to have that balance of like some things where it'll tell you okay you have to deliver this letter to such and such and especially when it's important quests like that Ronnie one and other things where it's just like these are cool things that you can either discover or not discover and the game will leave it a mystery and leave it up to you how you want to engage with it and on what level you want to engage with it. I think that is really important. And there's been a lot of discourse about the opacity versus the transparency and how that um, affects people and how that uh, uh, some people don't like it and some people just want a checklist type of game. And we talked a lot about that last week. But um, I don't even think, I, I think on a micro level, just having those little details that are just kind of kept mysterious is part of what makes this game so engaging. It's because you just never know what you're going to find and what you're going to discover. And there's just so much appeal to that. And that's why so many people consider it a masterpiece, I think. I, I do mm-hmm. think it's
2: been nice to see so many people talking about the eco tag system yeah. <laughs> by yeah. name on social media. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think this is really an interesting thing, too. And that that it's... It's a good conversation when it's had very specifically about specific examples because I do think there are ways in which this game could communicate things better or it makes things a little bit unclear. The UX in this game is probably the best of any From game or at least of any Souls game with magic and all these complicated things, but it's still pretty confusing. Like when you're reading mm-hmm. stats yep. and
0: bonuses and stuff yep. like they could. And the fact that you can't, you don't know what those icons are. And the yeah, there's left. not a great yeah. compare
2: yeah. screen. Like you can't just get a good yeah, sense of armor you're compare shopping stream. for. The compare, like,
0: yeah. That's annoying. That's really, there's a
2: lot annoying. of stuff like that or like, they don't even tell you what the little icons on your health bar. mean, which is like sort of cool, but also means you have to Google, what is that red square? <laughs> and like, yeah.
1: how
0: do I get rid of it? <laughs>
1: it's like, why is there an up arrow next to some things and a right. down arrow next to other things? I guess that's By the way, or a quick, good?
0: real quick on that, there's been, I've seen all these <laughs> posts on social media being like, don't get a hug from Fia. No, no, and yeah. Because it debuffs you. Absolutely do not listen to that advice because you want to be talking to Fia. Give hugs yeah. to Fia. Talk to Fia. Talk Talk to also, Fia.
1: it's fine. It's like saying you don't want to die in this game. It's like, what are you doing? Like, Have it's the, all experience. Part of the experience. Like, yeah.
0: well, also, but if you don't give hugs to Fia, you'll miss out on a whole quest. So go do that. with
2: Yeah, Fia. there's a whole, Fia's an important character. Fia. Yeah, it's just yes. like, there's more to Fia than just a nice lady who hugs you. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But like that tends to be true in these games. So anyways, I, I think that like when you're specifically talking about something like that, it is good to be specific because otherwise the conversation can spiral into well, what are you saying? This game should be like a Ubisoft game. And it's like, well, no, no, no. It's like I'm talking about or this. Like,
1: oh, what are you saying? Every single game should be exactly identical right, to Elden right, right. Ring and no other video game should ever be created also, again right, and they, on they the should other all just be <laughs> this game forever. Why are you saying that? Right. Why?
2: So that's like less <laughs> useful. But I think that getting into the specifics of this game, there's so much interesting stuff with the way that it conveys information. One example that comes to mind is the uh, merchants all sell these little tip cards that you can buy. And each thing, it's like, note from a stranger regarding mausoleum ruins. And then it'll be basically a hint about how to, like, stop the big walking mausoleum. Or Mm -hmm. you can, like, you know, there's a hidden cave. There's this one hidden cave near a town in Kayla that I never would have found because I didn't, you know, I just wouldn't have gone and looked at the, like, random cliff you have to go and, like, explore to find it. But there was just a note, and the note was, like, I don't even remember. It's like note from a, from a stranger. Um, a hidden tunnel, and I was like, well, that sounds cool, and it was like a thousand (laughs) runes or something, which I had so many at this point, I just bought it and read it, and it, like, told me where to go. There's a lot of stuff like that, or tips for how to beat enemies that seem really difficult, and that, I think, is, like, just part of this game's language. You have to figure out, oh, it's worth buying these little things because they tell you how to do stuff or where to find stuff or how things work. The game explains itself more than it initially seems, even while there are certainly places where it could probably explain itself better.
1: hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of that is like almost Half-Life 2-esque trickery where it like shows you where to go with environmental clues. Like we, we've been talking a lot about like the UI and UX and the map, just especially last week but I feel like part of why this game doesn't feel that opaque to me is because you can see where to go based on what's shiny right in front of your nose, and everything is <laughs> yeah. within your sight line. Sort of like Diablo, and you can
0: put giant waypoints that show you well, glowing but you markers. you can put waypoints
1: already. on your own map, and you can you can put little like uh, little circles on the map with different icons for yourself. Like you can absolutely take notes without taking notes in a notepad document. That's all true. Like that that part of it is actually not that opaque either. But I just mean navigating the world feels really good, and that is. Design choices made by yeah, the, ga- the game's team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: that's what I was saying last week. That like, if you strip the UI, if you stripped all the markers from a lot of games, it would be an emperor's new clothes situation because you would realize that like, wow, this world isn't really designed well. As opposed to Elden Rings, um, where you just you see something and it's like, whoa, yeah, I can see that. I can. I can visualize that.
1: You can see where you're supposed to go and you can look at the map and you don't need to put something on top of the castle because the castle's on the map. You can just see on the map like, oh, there's a castle. Exactly,
0: which is really, I mean, that's just a traditional From thing where like you, because you don't, in in other From games, you didn't have a map at all. And in fact, one brilliant thing about this is that your map is totally useless when you're in a legacy dungeon. But um, (laughs) as a result of not having a map, you have to have this spatial awareness and be like, oh, okay, like, oh, whoa, I wound up where I was before because I followed this this tunnel and now I'm in a shortcut. Or like, whoa, like some of those, those are some of the coolest moments in From Games where you just realize where you are in relation to other things. I had this amazing moment that I'll be a little vague about, but I was in the sewers and I was in these like super narrow confined spaces and then wound up in these other areas where I realized that I was looking at the same super confined spaces that I had been in before. And it yeah. was just incredible. Like so much of that is so cool. Yeah,
2: um, managing yeah. sightlines is something this game is really good at, and that's like something that Breath of the oh, Wild yeah. is also great at, and that Bethesda yep. games, actually Bethesda Game Studios yes. games like Skyrim yes, and yes. Fallout Three, are very good at as well. Where yeah, you see that mountain, you can go there. It's a, one. It's, it's <laughs> you see that mountain, you can get on your horse and glitch your way up and
1: jump into it. Glitch no, it. <laughs> it's like it's
2: more than just like if you see somewhere you can go there, and more that they, it's like an amusement park thing where it's kind of guiding your eye and yeah, it's oh, telling yeah. you like it's drawing your eye toward one. Feature on the horizon. When you enter a new area, you uh-huh. know you see. The oh, okay. Big like, there is where I'm kind of supposed to go. You see, mm-hmm. kind of where you're where you're intended to go, and the, they're managing you in a very subtle way, which is actually um, very very Valvey, very very Half Lifey as as. Different as the games are, it
1: is very Valve. It's and it's just very player friendly in a way that mm. I don't think enough people are acknowledging. Because I don't mm-hmm. know, there's there's a little bit of bragworthiness to FromSoft games even now, even with Elden Ring, where people are like, "Oh, it's so mysterious," and I just so happen to discover this cool spot. And right, it's like, me
0: and my amazing brain solving yeah, mysteries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and you and many other people. Yeah, you
1: and thousands of other people, dude. Like, no offense, it doesn't mean it's any less cool. But the game yeah. actually like. <laughs> You write to it, yeah. and that's what's the magic of it too.
0: So I will say one of the downsides of this opacity, or maybe it's just kind of a flaw that I'm finding with the game, is that I think it's really important for a game to have a structure um, that's clear to you, and that it makes you you know what your overall. Um, you know what your over goal is and you know what the kind of the, the acts look
2: it's like simple, Jason I want to become the Elden Lord I mean yeah, it's well, so that's, straightforward no, no,
1: no, are God. you that's fine. you don't totally understand fine. the word Melina no, has no, no, said no, no, to no, you no, this no. entire time is that what you're saying no that's
0: totally fine it's more like <laughs> I think I was just I was so taken aback by the fact that what I thought was going to be the end of yeah, the game wasn't and I think that kind of like part of that is cool because it's like whoa there's so much more and like whoa this game really pulled the rug under me and part of it is like oh man just like I have to totally recalibrate my expectations here and I was thinking actually I was thinking about the last time that I just spent so much time being absorbed in a giant meaty RPG like this and I think the last time was Divinity Original Sin 2 which I played a few years ago and that was the type of game that I played something like 80 hours like over the course of two weeks I think that was before I had a kid so I was just like totally (laughs) sunk into that world for for many 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 hours Um, and I think something that really allowed me to finish that game and not get burnt out even though i was a little kind of fried by the end but not get totally burnt out was that it is a very clear four act structure and you know when you get to the fourth act when you get to arcs that is the end of the game and i think i appreciate that in a game especially a game like this same with like breath of the wild you know you've killed the four beasts you're going again in uh, a castle this is it this is the end of the game and i think i would have appreciated a little more clarity on this rather than where i currently am which is like i i kind of i have a goal and I have a story that is like you have to do this thing but I still have no idea how much longer it's going to be and if they're going to keep pulling the rug out under me and like give me even more places to go and um, I don't know I, I kind of have mixed feelings about that yeah I this guess.
1: is just your life now you have to live the rest of My your natural life, life inside Ring. of well, Elden I am Ring. an
0: Elden
2: I am an Elden Lord it's true so, <laughs> I think um, yeah I think there's something to that and I think I, I mean I totally agree I'm, I'm joking before about the story because it's.
0: I can't wait for the two hour YouTube video explaining the story yes me I too. will watch
2: I Video's video 100%, yes. just like everybody is, else would. Bloodborne stuff was amazing. Well, <laughs> yeah. and like, it's sort of I'm similar. So
1: confused. I'm loving it, but I'm so confused.
2: It's very similar to I'm me loving. to Hollow Knight, actually, which was a game that I think had a tighter structure. Mm-hmm. Like, that game did feel like, okay, you go and you find each of the mm-hmm. sort of goal points that you're given at that certain point in the story. Once you do that, then there's some kind of extra stuff to get the true ending, but then you finish the game, and then there's DLC and extra stuff. But it's really, it's pretty tight, but it does have that feeling of like, my god, there's more? Oh, there's more? And eventually the stuff that's being revealed, I couldn't keep it all straight. And then eventually, in that case, not Vati Video, but it was Mossbag who made a YouTube video explaining the whole story of of Hollow Knight. And it's incredible. Like, once you watch someone put it all together, it's like, oh, that's what I was doing. Okay, cool. (laughs) I think that's going to be true of this game, too. It's interesting because there's more story here than Mm -hmm. in a past Souls game. I'd say Sekiro is the closest comparison where there was a pretty clear story in Sekiro, and then Bloodborne also had not a clear story, but it, it felt sort of similar. But there's a thing that all of these stories do, these from soft stories, is it's like they start pretty focused, they start, like, they make sense, you kind of understand the stakes, and then they just start to kind of spiral and spiral out of control and then it's like there's suddenly they introduce all this new stuff and pretty soon I'm just like I'm just killing bosses and I don't even know and then uh-huh. like Daenerys turns evil and she's riding on a dragon and basically this is all George R. 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 Martin's fault. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, 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 uh. You can see I think the George R. 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 Martin influence is clear in the I names think you because every it. name yeah. is the same. Godric and Godwin and God, <laughs> yeah. it's just like <laughs> Renala and Rani and Rennie and Renna. I do think and- that
2: like the stuff with
0: the houses
2: and the politics, like there's a mo- I have much more of a sense sure. of this kingdom and what it was like. And I would imagine I'd have to guess. I mean, it's so hard to tell what. George R.R. R. Martin did on this game? or didn't like, do?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of it is just the souls of it all, but I'm, I'm yeah. like, I don't know that this has George R.R. Martin's voice per se. No. Like, some of these characters just talk like Dark Souls characters. Not, well, he definitely not didn't write it. He well, just, of wrote, course, the he just wrote the lore. It's more the
2: structure of the world and the kingdoms and the politics that feels a little I, I like him. I suppose so.
1: Yeah. But, but yeah, you can definitely Dark see souls it. Dark Souls also has plenty of shenanigans and politics and, you know, people you can and can't yeah, join yeah. and you don't Different really know houses. why it would That's matter true. whether or not you join each little click i mean this game has some of that too but hey i'm only 35 hours in so, so i've right, you, <laughs> really, really barely even met anybody at this point i don't know maddie anything. to
0: your point i don't i don't think that it's like necessarily something that from couldn't have done on their own and if we hadn't known that it was george RR right, R. martin maybe exactly. we probably wouldn't know but that said since you know it's george R. R. martin i think you can see you can kind of like grok some of the influence yeah yeah um so we we do have to wrap things up soon but um a couple more things to talk about one is performance issues which i think are a pretty important part of this story um Especially for those people playing on PC, yeah. Um, I hadn't run into many PC issues until like the most recent patch, which I think was last week, and then my game just started crashing nonstop, and it's so irritating. Um, it's it's just it's like it it ruined a couple of days of playing for me because the game was crashing like literally every every thirty minutes, every twenty to thirty minutes, and that was just it, it really ruined the experience for me. If I had gone through that when I first got it, like the first couple of weeks I was playing. I might have just stopped. I might have been like, man, this game is unplayable for me. And now it's really annoying. So I do think that some of the performance issues have been a problem. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. What do you guys think of it? You're both playing on PC also, right? I've
1: had some crashes. And I also lost a pretty significant chunk of progress, uh, one day's worth of playing because of the cloud save, Steam save issue that I ran into. And several other people ran into it. It's a specific bug that just I don't I don't even know. It sucked. Um, but then also, I had only spent that time exploring and not fighting a boss. So I didn't lose any progress that felt Mm. really bad. I just lost some levels. But you could imagine if you did. (laughs) Oh, oh, if I had lost a boss fight, like I was reading that Reddit thread and people were like, I just immediately started crying because I had like beaten Margaret and Godric and then lost that. And I was like, yeah, I would have cried if I had like lost a significant (laughs) boss run that had been hard. Think
0: about how how satisfying it'll be to beat him again. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, also
1: whatever. But it meant then that when I went back into the game, to, like, recoup my lost levels. I just went to places where I knew there were a lot of golden runes already because I was like, well, I already explored these places. I, like, know exactly where to go. So it wasn't as hard, but it did mean that it was... I don't know. I feel like it says something about the quality of this game that I didn't really feel that sad once I got back in the game. And I was like, oh, I got to play five to eight more hours of Elden Ring again. (laughs) That's fine, I guess. So whatever. They got me. They got me.
2: The game definitely overcomes the technical problems. Like when it first came out, especially in PC circles, there was so much rage about it that I was like, y'all, I've played like 30 hours of this game and it's so good that this is going to balance out these problems eventually. Mm -hmm. And of course it did, but it is too bad. When I was playing it before launch, I was thinking, oh, well, you know, there's this constant kind of frame stuff that happens like kind of constantly in this very weird way. Digital Foundry, I think, did a video trying to figure out what's going on. But it's almost like every time a new enemy loads in, you get this weird little like like slowdown for a second, which just sort of sucks. And there's definitely frame rate issues. And I don't, I just play through them and don't care because the game is so good. And I mean, Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite games ever. And that game has all kinds of frame yeah, rate issues. Yeah, when you get still. to
0: the woods, the, yeah. the hidden woods. When a
2: game making. is good enough and it's third person, it's not a huge deal.
0: But it's a shame. Well, the frame rate is a very different issue than Crashing. Oh no, it yeah, it crashes for
2: me plenty and that sucks. Of course, but I I we already talked about that so I'm talking about the frame rate I it, think. Got it. Um yep. yeah, the crashing is a huge yeah, disaster, it Though it hasn't been a, I haven't had a crash during a boss fight, but it still sucks when it happens. Kills your momentum.
0: I have. It's really sucks. Yeah. Got to the <laughs> no, second I'm, phase I'm sure it of the boss and it crashed. It was really annoying.
2: The bummer to me is I was playing before it came out and I was like, well, okay. There's some issues. The fact that it's capped at 60 FPS on PC is just wild. Just given that like it's 2022 20, and most games don't have a 60 frames per second cap. And mm-hmm. um, I was thinking when it will come out, like when it comes out, someone's gonna mod this thing like they did with Sekiro, where they'll unlock the frame rate. And Sekiro runs amazing on PC, mostly because there's a a mod that uncaps the frame rate and you can like play it super smooth. But this game has this anti cheat software that makes it pretty much impossible to mod as long as you're online. And so yeah. that just hasn't been a thing. So now we're kind of just waiting for From to fix it. And that's. I wonder if that's what's causing
0: so many of the issues, that freaking anti cheat software. That's been a theory. Really? You know,
2: and I don't know. I'm certainly not technically yeah. wise enough to know, but it, it seems possible. And they're of course, they're trying to protect us from. There can be some pretty terrible stuff on PC that oh, can yeah. happen. Have you if guys you're been protected. invaded at all? Oh well that's just fun. (laughs) But I mean like when someone invades and like gets your account banned or like hacks your PC or something. Yeah,
1: I mean that would suck. I've been invaded and it's fine, but I'm just saying I sure don't want somebody cheating and invading me. Yeah or like not fun. Right,
2: wrecking my save game or something, which used to be possible. Yes. I only think it's fun because I've defeated every
1: invader so far. Who knows if I would think it was fun if I hadn't. I love
2: (laughs) man, I love getting invaded and (laughs) and taking them on with the person I'm playing with. Super fun,
0: yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, just like Elden Ring we have gone on too long just long enough special game deserves a special game deserves a specially long episode so why don't we take a break and we will be back with one more thing Most game shows quiz contestants about topics they don't even care about.
2: But for 100 episodes, the Go Fact Yourself podcast has asked celebrity guests trivia about topics they choose for themselves.
0: And introduced them to some of their personal heroes along the way.
1: Oh my gosh. Shut up! Oh, my stuff. <laughs> it's so, so exciting
0: to meet you. Join me, Jake Keith Van Stratton. And me, Helen Hong, along with special guests DJ Jazzy Jeff and Faith Saley, plus some amazing surprise experts on the 100th episode of Go Fact Yourself. And join us twice a month, every month, for new episodes of Go Fact Yourself here on Maximum Fun. Hi, Maximum Fun. It's me, James Arthur M. from Minority Corner. Okay, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Bad news. Minority Corner, after seven years and 340 episodes, we are wrapping up our show. I know, I know, but hey, good news, good news is, that means we must have solved racism and homophobia and sexism and equality and equity for all. Yay! No, no, we didn't. Well, I'd like to think at least that we are better off than when we started seven years ago. Some don't worry, we might be saying goodbye but our episodes will live on in the podcast airwaves Forever. or until the internet crashes and burn whatever comes first minority corner the final episodes right here on maximum bun or wherever you get your podcast minority corner because together we're the majority and we are back kirk maddie it is time to not talk about more Elden ring and it's time for one more thing <laughs> i guess okay. maddie take us away what's your one more thing
1: Okay, so my one more thing is the television show Alias from the early 2000s. Yeah, so Kirk's going to add in the theme song, and that's the entire length of my one more thing. We don't need to talk about the show. Oh my god, it's so catchy. And supposedly written by J.J. Abrams. I don't know if that's true, but it does say theme by J.J. Abrams in the credits of the show. Yeah, yeah, I think think it is meaningful. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a J.J. Abrams show starring Jennifer Garner as spy extraordinaire Sidney Bristow. And it's wonderful. I watched it when I was much younger. Dina, my girlfriend, had never seen it before. And so we watched all of it together and had a wonderful time talking about all the wigs that Sydney Bristow wears and oh, all the, the people wigs. that she kicks in the face and all the ceilings that she glues herself to Spider-Man-like <laughs> while hiding from various people. But I just wanted to say... Um, as somebody rewatching Alias as an adult, I really loved Jack Bristow this time around so much more than I ever expected to. Played Spy by Victor Daddy. Garber, Spy mm-hmm. Daddy, as he was nicknamed at the time and still is. He still like accepts the moniker Spy Daddy <laughs> to this day. Um, That's good. I just feel like he's so incredible on this show and I didn't respect like his acting prowess as a kid. I was yeah. so busy rooting for Sidney and Vaughn to get together. They're sort of the will they won't they romance of the entire show's arc, of course. And like, that's just what I was invested in, you know, sure, 20 years ago. But now I'm like, damn, Victor Garber is really so badass in this role. And... Um, I promise this isn't a spoiler, but this is like a fan theory that I read before I did this rewatch that like changed it for me in a super fun way. So there's a fan theory that Victor Garber or that Jack Bristow, the character he's playing, um, is Brambaldi, who is the sort of like sci-fi Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci figure from the distant past. The MacGuffin past. creator. The MacGuffin creator, yes, who invents all these absurd sci-fi, like, <laughs> futuristic things that somehow, like, right. he could create many, many hundreds of years ago, and then modern spies can use these Leonardo da Vinci
2: in the Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> of
1: course, yes. And it's like, and also, he has the power to live forever, among many, many other powers. Um <laughs> and to see the future like he's he's basically professor x. Rambaldi is
2: an impressive guy. Yes.
1: Um so but there is a very funny fan theory that the reason why Jack Bristow seems so jaded and so badass and like he's seen it all and doesn't really give a shit about Rambaldi and thinks it's kind of like silly and overhyped is because he himself is Rambaldi. He's lived this whole time. He's basically an ageless vampire. He's seen it all. He fears nothing. And that's a really really fun way to watch the show. I nice. just enjoyed it a lot. I don't think that theory is true. At all. That is the kind of thing J.J. J. Abrams would do now if you were making this show now. <laughs> but it's not true. It's just a fun way to watch Alias. So yeah, I recommend Alias. Very, very silly show and really a fun watch. Victor
2: Garber does rule. I recently rewatched Titanic, which... Just is a great movie. Yes, and he,
1: he's so good in that. I also recently rewatched that. It's first of all a great movie. Great movie. Heard of Titanic holds up, and also <laughs> he has you maybe
2: three it. scenes in that movie, but he elevates yeah. the whole thing. I mean, it's really one of those great three scene performances. He's yeah.
1: so good. So yeah, I'm like a huge Victor Garber fan. That'd now. be
2: a good Beans cast. Oh man, yeah, I would do a should, Titanic oh, Beans cast in a heartbeat.
1: I would. Any do that. James
2: Cameron Beans cast you guys want to do, I would do it.
1: <laughs> no, we're already doing Die Hard this month. It's, it's true, settled. It's settled.
2: Kirk, what's your one more thing? My
0: one more thing is two Stephen King books. So, <laughs> yeah. I like the sentence. My one more thing is two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Was it Stephen King? Look, they're a forced
2: dyad. Okay, they're not just one (laughs) book. It's a dyad, (laughs) and they feed off of one another. Um, No, this is this is sort of one topic, though. So we talk about Stephen King a lot here. I think all three of us like Stephen King. uh, Maddie, I know you recently read Carrie. Jason, I I know you're a big King fan.
1: We're big fans of the podcast, Just King Things. So we we, and we
2: swear we're not sponsored by Just King Things. We just really like that show. We probably should be at this point. Um, And of course, and buddies with those guys and have gone on that show. So the first. Two Stephen King novels are Carrie and Salem's Lot. I think I'd read Carrie. I always thought I'd read Carrie. I know I'd seen the movie. But I read it so long ago that I hadn't read it. And I'd never read Salem's Lot. And I listened to... I hadn't... I had sort of saved those episodes. I'd listened to the Carrie episode of Just King Things, but not the Salem's Lot episode. So I went and I read Salem's Lot, and then I read Carrie. And just sort of back-to-back. Back, and it's kind of the first two Stephen King novels. And they're both great books for starters. Oh. Like, if you just want two ass kicking, you know, thriller (laughs) books, but they're very different. And I think it's interesting how different they are. Salem's Lot, first off, town is not called Salem's Lot. It's called Jerusalem's Lot. People call it Salem's Lot for short. I never knew that. And now I know (laughs) that. Um, So Salem's Lot is a story, is a vampire story, of course, as everybody probably knows at this point. And it's about a town. And it's very much that Stephen King thing of like, I'm going to paint this portrait of a town and all of these minor characters and this sort of their little dramas and their, you know, their their sins and the different ways that they live. The
0: best. There's nobody better at that. Like yeah. Needful oh, yeah. Things
2: and Under the Dome. I mean, he's done this in so many different books and he is fantastic about it. Um, this is his first book doing that. And he was really, you know, starting out as a writer. Carrie is so different. And, Maddie, you talked about it on a one more thing. but. That book is wild. I mean, there's no other Stephen King book structured like this where every other chapter is some sort of, like interstitial, you know, news report or yep. excerpt from a book that was written after the fact and it's all told out of time where a mm-hmm. lot of it is people looking back at what happened. You know that something happened at the prom from the very start and it's yeah. so fast-paced. I mean, I read it in a couple of days. It's almost like a novella. It's like he wrote it as a novella and then added all of the news clippings and stuff to flesh it out into a book. So it's just very interesting to me that both books are so different. Salem's Lot is so long, so multifaceted, so many characters. Carrie is so focused and like such a just like gut punch of a book both feel very edited and i think that that's interesting it's also been an interesting thing about listening to uh the shrieking shack as they talk about um jk rowling and how she jk
1: rowling's work over time and how tight that first book is and how not tight how she increasingly became
2: kind of uneditable and you see that with Stephen King too where I like a big long rangy Stephen King book but it's pretty cool reading these first two and just Mm -hmm. like thinking about the editing and the way that this was clearly like someone controlled the flow of the story and
1: also self edited I mean Stephen King wrote and rewrote Carrie and and just that's not something that you necessarily do when you become a bajillionaire right and not all especially in
2: the 80s like some of (laughs) those books really just kind of are all over the place the
1: cocaine years yeah,
0: uh, he's got some some new books that are pretty tight. Oh sure, uh, Billy, oh yeah, Billy no, Summers, yeah. the newest one, one of the newest ones is, is
1: he's rallied. Tight. So I hear. Yeah, I mean yeah. the
2: girl who loved Tom Gordon. Nice and tight book. And the way that he rewrote the ending to eleven twenty two sixty three, um, mm-hmm. with the the book has a great ending, despite being a really long book. Anyways, I just wanted to say Carrie and Salem's Lauder a great one two punch of Stephen King. And I also I do recommend those Just King Things episodes, which is some really interesting conversation and in context. Nice. Along with those, so yeah, good reading and good listening.
0: Um my one more thing is uh... Stories about uh, swindlers, about mm. con scammertainment. Artists. So, there's been a lot of scammer stuff recently. Scammers are big been. in the news. Um, and the, we, for some reason, we cannot get enough of scammer stories. And I include myself in that lot. Um, so, I recently watched a documentary called Tinder Swindler, which is big on Netflix. Um, really good, worth watching. Um, and then I also watched the Netflix docuseries, Inventing Anna, which is about Anna Sorokin, ni Anna Delvey, who is. Is this uh, this kind of um, iconic New York City. I think Connors. she's Anna Delvey, knee Anna Sorokin, right? Yeah, Anna Delvey, ni Anna Sorokin. Right? Yes, <laughs> Anna Delvey, ni Anna Sorokin. Um, and Inventing Anna is an interesting series. I actually, I, it's not a docuseries. I accidentally called it a docuseries. It's actually a dramatic mm-hmm. series that's kind of based on a true story. And every single episode opens with this line that is like, this story is true except for all the things that aren't. And it kind of blends reality and fiction in a way that made me really uncomfortable. And it's very entertaining so tinder swindler tinder swindler i can't say you guys say, say that. It tinder swindler or tinder swindler. swindler it's one or the other <laughs> yeah. for me it's um, tinder swindler every time so that's a pretty straightforward documentary yeah. um, it's a true story and it's really interesting and totally worth watching. I want to focus more on Inventing Anna, which feels like it's conning the audience as it's telling this story about a con artist. Because it paints this picture of Anna Sor- Sorokin as um, an almost sympathetic character and, and talks about some stuff that like tries to get into her mind and create these motives for her in a way that is absolutely not true to real life. And it can do this because it's taking all these liberties with the character. So the story is, um, it's about this woman named Vivian Kent, who's a journalist who's based on a real journalist again a fictional character and the real anna sorokin and their interactions and then she goes around as she she's working on this story for manhattan magazine which is their version of new york magazine again fictionalized reality Mm -hmm. um she comes up with she she finds these people who were close to anna and each episode tells a different person's story of how they were connected to anna and like what 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 they learned and how they felt about it and whether they were conned or not etc etc cetera. Um, And there are a few parts of this that just, like, have not sat right with me as a journalist and as someone who cares about, like, the difference between nonfiction and fiction. Um, And this, by the way, the the real journalist, Jessica Bresler, was, like, a producer on this show. So it is a a story that is ostensibly being worked on by journalists. Um, so one of those things is like I said before that, that it creates a sympathetic character of Anna and one of the ways it does that is by inventing from whole cloth like this backstory for her and like there's one episode later on where the journalist kind of sees these like hallucinations of young Anna and it's made to we're meant to feel sorry for her because she goes through this dramatic these dramatic moments and it's like the journalist imagining in her mind what Anna might have been like in a child and it's just totally finished the other thing that really didn't sit right with me is that even though some people are given pseudonyms including the main character the journalist who is vivian instead of jessica um there's one woman in the story this woman named rachel who worked for vanity fair who is given her real name and she is portrayed super harshly in this story (laughs) like she is made out to be like a total sleaze um but she is not granted the a pseudonym and she is like given a real name and we still don't know what about her version of the story is fiction and what is nonfiction because again, the show blends reality with fiction in a way that is just never really, it's like left to the audience, I guess, to figure out what's fictional and what isn't, which is super irresponsible when you're using someone's real name and uh, like acting like they're a real person and it just feels so unfair and kind of shitty uh of this show to do that and to grant like a fictional name to the main character and the journalist who was involved with the show but not to this other woman who had nothing to do with the show and just was was one of Anna's friends who like wound up being conned by her and and was part of this story and um yeah it just really didn't sit right with me and in general I just feel like blending reality and and Fiction is just such a bad idea, and I can kind of like I guess sometimes it works if it's very clearly fictional, like The Social Network, for example. I watch that show, and I don't think like Wow, this is really what happened to Mark Zuckerberg." Um, but in this case, because so much of it is actually like hewing closely to what's in the article and what is real, it really just makes me feel icky to watch it and to know that like millions of people potentially could be watching the show and like come away from it thinking like. Oh, this Rachel is a scumbag based on who knows how much of this is actually real. So yeah, there, there's something about the show that like even though it's very entertaining and enjoyable to watch, and I recommend watching it, just ethically speaking, it just man, something about it bothered me. And it made me think, wow, these people are conning the audience while they're telling the story of a con of a con artist.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anna Schlumsky, who plays uh the the lead character, what's her name? Vivian Kent. Vivian Kent. She's, She's great. so amazing. I She's mean, so good. the thing with this show, and I've I've been watching it. As well, and we're almost despite done with her
0: journalistic, questionable journalistic. Yeah, ethics. the character.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because I know enough about Jessica Pressler, and actually recently reread her New York Magazine it was in the cut the article about Anna Delvey, which is great. It's a great piece of reporting, but there is, is stuff that I even knew going in that just had me scratching my head, like the fact that um, Pressler also wrote the story that Hustlers, the film, was That's adapted right. from, and she did that before this, but yeah. in the. But in the show, Vivian Kent is portrayed as like this down on her luck struggling journalist who's trying for a redemption story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely didn't get a big movie deal starring (laughs) J-Lo.
2: Right. Have her story optioned into like an Oscar bait movie with all these superstars in it. Like, um, I shouldn't say Oscar bait, just a really good movie.
1: (laughs) It is actually a great movie, but it's like, yeah, Yeah. people know about her work. (laughs) So it's a
2: little, there's just this feeling of unreality that even without thinking about the stuff you were talking about, Jason, which now that you, when you started mentioning it to me, I was like, that is true like Katie Lowe's who plays Rachel it's a great performance of this very unlikable person and then I'm thinking wow what if you were the this is a real person that they're portraying, in this really kind uh-huh. of yeah.
1: And she wrote her own. I mean, I haven't seen the show, but I know yeah. that the journalist Rachel wrote a Vanity Fair story about what happened to her with yeah. Anna. That
0: factors on the show. Oh, she, not only that, she wrote her own book about right. it, which is part of what which I, I mean she's guess portrayed as somebody on as, this
1: creative team didn't care for. I mean, like, why did she end up coming off? So she's bad, portrayed
0: as, that? as being like money hungry, and and that's to be fair, that's yeah, sort of a striver, like yeah. Striver. Sure. Well, so that's like, actually team-ish. what happened in the trial. I mean, one of the other main characters, so there are a couple, there are a lot of things that just really did not sit right with me. Um, One is that uh, one of the other main characters, um, played by the guy who's... um What's his name? Uh, Kendall's friend in Succession. Uh, oh, Ariane Moyed. He's so yeah. good.
2: I love him in this. I think he's such
0: a good actor. So, so he plays this defense attorney. So he's also one of the like sympathetic protagonists. He was one of the heroes of the story, and he plays Anna's defense attorney. And so Vivian Kent winds up like offering to team up with him, and she winds up like rooting for Anna that as a the big, trial goes. Big question mark. On. There's for me, so yeah. many journalistic issues Bizarre. here. Um, but but one of them is that like there's this whole scene where he acting as a as a as a lawyer is dressing down and like totally destroying Rachel on the stand and we're meant as the audience to root for him despite the fact that this is part of a it's case a where he is not only is it a real person he's defending a scammer like yeah. we are meant to be rooting for him and like getting her sentence down even though she like took Money from a lot of people and fucked over a lot of people's lives. It's just yeah, like, like
1: sixty thousand dollars from Rachel specifically, I think. And I yeah. I only know the broad stroke. I read the articles and didn't didn't watch this show. That's all yeah. I, know.
0: I mean the story. It's a little more complicated than that because she like like was clearly mooching off of yes, Anna yes. and like used right. her credit cards by by like volunteered them. Not mm-hmm. was not it just? Like, it's not like Anna actually stole from her, but Anna conned her and Anna Anna is like a clear con artist and yeah, a lot of stuff just didn't. Say right with me about this show and I just think it's a really bad idea to act as if something is true and then also say oh it's okay because we can make up parts of it and every time at the beginning of every episode it said like this yeah, the story yeah. is totally true except for the parts that aren't I was just like oh no that bothers me <laughs>
2: yeah so it's, much. A, it's a it's a kind of a whack move I agree as much as it I is. mean we're certainly finding the show entertaining but it's more Very as time has gone on I've mm-hmm. just been more like but
1: it'd probably be a lot less entertaining if they like put a different filter over every single scene that wasn't true and they were like this part's a lie this part's a lie <laughs> yeah, it's it's just
2: like Chiron yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like pick a, pick a lane basically like I think doing it yeah. both ways just leaves me asking too many questions so I agree with you on that
0: yeah and I hate reading books like that that's why so many books over the years have just bothered me so many yeah. like even revered mm-hmm. books of nonfiction. you're reading them and it'll be like this character thought such and such and you're like unless you really sometimes it'll be someone who's like dead or like wasn't interviewed by the journalist or the book was written by Professor
2: X you know mm, yeah exactly that's <laughs> sometimes,
0: or, or the alias
2: guy yeah a
1: lot of Professor X callbacks on this app. Uh, yeah. he's
2: a great journalist <laughs> that Professor
0: X anyway that's my one more thing Inventing nice. Anna and Tinder Swindler Tinder Swindler is much more ethical I will say
1: mm, yeah I'll check it out
0: alright that is it for this week's episode I am sure we will be talking about lots more Elden Ring in the future but in the meantime yes, seems likely in the meantime I will see you both next week see you
2: both next Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to triple TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.